Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Top Docs Radio. Brought to you by Hyperbaric Physicians of Georgia, a comprehensive wound resolution and UHMS accredited hyperbaric medicine practice with four offices to serve you. Find us on the web at www.hbomdga.com. Facebook and Twitter at HBOMDGA. Hey, Top Docs Radio listeners, it's C.W. Hall, your host, and I'm very glad you decided to check out this week's episode because I've got Dr. Ellie Campbell of Campbell Family Medicine in Cumming, Georgia, primary care physician, integrative medicine specialist, places a lot of emphasis on preventing the serious illnesses that affect us today, like heart disease and stroke, diabetes and others, and she was very excited to talk about today's controversial topic, ooh, cholesterol and its role in heart disease. And in fact, our, our conversation was prompted by an article I read recently by former heart surgeon, Dr. Dwight Lundell, in a book that's got the medical community up in arms called The Cholesterol Lie. And he asserts that cholesterol isn't the culprit in heart disease that has been made out to be, that in fact, many of the choices that we've been recommended to make to try to ironically prevent heart disease are, in his opinion, and Dr. Campbell's, causing high levels of inflammation in our vascular system that then damages also the cholesterol molecules, making them sticky, prone to form plaques that give us heart attacks and strokes. So I'm really pleased to share this information with you, give you something to think about. Dr. Campbell's going to share some great suggestions that will very likely help you prevent or even reverse some of the effects of heart and vascular disease if you've got it going on. You're going to want to check this one out. The people that live the longest have the highest cholesterol. Cholesterol is a good thing, as long as it's not corrupted. When cholesterol becomes corrupted, it's an entirely different story. And cholesterol gets corrupted when it gets inflamed, oxidized, or sugar-coated. So if we're diabetic, we have high blood sugar, we oxidize our cholesterol, or the lipoprotein particles themselves are too tiny, they're sticky and they stick in the arteries, corrupted cholesterol is bad. Okay. Healthy cholesterol is good for you. And you can live a very long and healthy life with no stroke, no heart attack, no cardiovascular disease, as long as your cholesterol does not become corrupted. We consume an inflammatory diet. When we, we, I just told you that carbohydrates are not good for us, that we need to limit the portions of carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. And when we do eat carbs, they need to be whole grain, unprocessed carbohydrates. That doesn't mean whole wheat flour. That means whole wheat, kernels, grains. You need to be seeing the seeds and the, and the grain itself in the food that you eat. So if I eat a piece of bread. Yes. That is called whole grain bread, yes. as long as there's nuggets of grains in it, not just on the outside, right. then I'm it's, in the right place. It's better for you than not. However, the glycemic index of a Snickers bar is lower than the glycemic index of a piece of whole wheat bread. <laughs> What's up with that? Right. What's up with that? Is it because We've all the peanuts and everything that are in correct. the Snickers that are making it correct. Uh, lower glycemic? High, higher protein content? Correct. Okay. So we really need to eat the hamburger without the bun, right? Use a knife and a fork. Ditch the carbs. God, why are all the good things so bad for us, man? It just really sucks. You're bashing on my Coke Zero too recently. It really <laughs> yeah, troubles that's me. I story. think about that waking up at night sweating so, about it. So carbohydrates are a problem and fats are a problem because we have allowed this whole corrupted 
um, stream of fats to come into our food chain. Yes. Whereas we used to consume only uh, foods that were oils, nuts and seeds that were whole in their natural plant form. Now we get all kinds of canola oil, corn oil, soybean yes. oil. These are omega-6 oils. These are inflammatory oils. They push. So canola is bad. Canola is not good for us. <laughs> so so what should I canola cook with? Canola oil. What's is a high heat oil that is good for me? Butter. Okay. So just coconut yeah, so oil. if I want to have a really high smoke point, then I just clarify the butter and then I can cook with it. Correct. Okay. Or coconut oil. Okay. Yo, coconut oil is saturated fat. Guess what? It's okay for you. Saturated fat is not the culprit corrupted cholesterol is the problem and consuming saturated fat is not going to corrupt your cholesterol stick around we got the full interview with dr campbell coming up next and we also brought back dr leanna cart who is a chiropractor with northwest chiropractic here on the west side of atlanta stop by to remind us that may is national posture awareness month so sit up shoulders back and check out her piece because she talked about some great information about technology and how it's causing us to have some spine and neck problems that are easily avoidable if we just make a few simple changes. Stick around. Good afternoon, everyone. It's C.W. Hall, your host here on Top Docs Radio. I'm happy to be sitting down with a regular guest of ours, Dr. Ellie Campbell. She's an integrative medicine and primary care physician located in Cumming, Georgia. And uh, we've had her on a couple of times now, and it's always interesting. She shares some excellent information for us. Uh, last time we were talking about gut health and how important that is to our overall uh, state of wellness and how well we were able to tackle uh, and fight infections that may invade our body, for example, among other things. And and today we're going to be sitting down talking about heart disease. And our visit is actually kind of prompted by an article that I read recently by a well-known heart surgeon, actually, who wrote an article talking about the effects of cholesterol and heart disease and how, in his opinion, that it's not so much cholesterol that causes heart disease and vascular disease. It's actually cholesterol responding to inflammation in the body that causes those plaques to occur that then block off uh, blood vessels leading to the problems that we face when vascular disease develops. So Ellie, it's uh, a pleasure to have you here on the show again today. C.W., it's my honor to be with you today. Yeah, well, so I sent you over this article by Dr. Lundell. He's authored a couple of books, one being The Cure for Heart Disease, one being The Great Cholesterol Lie. And I was struck by the content of his article where he went into the fact that we really kind of spend a lot of time nutritionally and from the medical side of things as we treat patients, telling them, hey, you got to watch your fat intake. He's saying that that's really not the thing. It's Yeah, it's we're kind of doing it wrong. <laughs> and so... Talk about that. Talk about your impression of the article, and then uh, we'll kind of get into, because you said, you, you replied right away, oh, yeah, absolutely, he's the, right. Yeah, I'm on it. I've been doing this for, for 10 years in my integrative wellness practice. You know, our modern cardiology departments are in the business to unblock blocked arteries. Right. What we should be in the business of is preventing those blockages in the first place. And unfortunately, our entire system is built on false premises. Mm. And two of those false premises are that cholesterol causes heart disease, right. when really, truly, it's inflammation. It's not cholesterol at all. And that a low-fat diet will improve your outcomes. And that's also a false premise. And so, so there was some measure of validity to that study, uh, what is it, CRP, that measures 
total, and they, they and they were using that to kind of give you an idea of your risk for heart disease, apparently. Correct. And then then they said, well, it's 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 only marginally valuable for heart disease because it's measuring overall inflammation. But based on what I'm reading here, that's a very valuable correct piece of information. And it's a very valuable information. C-reactive protein. C-reactive protein. Okay. Um, it's a non-specific measure of inflammation, but when the inflammation's in the arteries, it's causing plaque blockage. And when plaques rupture, they cause sudden disease. So let's back up a little bit and we'll talk about a couple of things. Sure. First of all, um, back in the 1950s, cardiovascular disease was the number one killer in our country. What's the number one killer in our country in 2015? <laughs> we haven't made a lot of progress. <laughs> We've made no you, progress. You, you tend to live lo- a little bit longer after you have your heart attack and your heart surgery. Correct. Um, but and you still so get it. Cur- you still get it. Yeah. And you spend much of your life managing that chronic disease. Yes. So so they thought, well, maybe this has something to do with diet. So they created this thing called the food pyramid. And the food pyramid said we shouldn't eat fat because fat will raise your triglycerides and raise your cholesterol levels. We should only eat carbohydrates. So they put 9 to 12 servings of carbohydrates on the bottom of the food pyramid. Right, meaning we're supposed to eat more of those Correct. and less of the top. So yes. in other words, a healthy, a healthy meal would be a green salad, a humongous plate of pasta, and red sauce <laughs> with no fat and no meat. Right. Okay, so what happens when you do that? Well, that humongous carbohydrate load causes your body to spike insulin. Yes. Insulin is, insulin's primary job is to store fat. Insulin's secondary job is to regulate blood sugar. So we eat this massive carbohydrate meal. It causes us to store fat. We're following the food pyramid. So every day we're eating eight to 10 servings. 12 servings of carbohydrate a day and we're gaining weight and we're gaining weight and we're gaining weight and we look at the map of the United States and the percentage of people with obesity and we see that over the last 20 years since we created that food pyramid, we've become the most obese country in the world. (laughs) So maybe that diet recommendation (laughs) wasn't a good one. So then let's look at the physiology of it. So our liver makes cholesterol cholesterol is an absolutely essential molecule for life. Cholesterol is used to make cell membranes. Cholesterol is used to make hormones. Cholesterol is the building block from which we make estrogen, progesterone, cortisol, vitamin D. Without cholesterol, we cannot make these hormones. It's absolutely essential to life. So we have a backup plan. Not only can we eat it, we can make it in our liver. And our liver can make orders of magnitude more cholesterol than we can ever eat. The signal that our liver needs to make cholesterol is no fat in the diet. Interesting. So if we eat a low-fat diet, our liver says, oh, I need to make some cholesterol. And if we consume lots of carbohydrates, our liver will use that to make way more cholesterol than we need. And what's what's its function? What's it doing? What does cholesterol do? Well, cholesterol is used to make cell membranes and to make hormones and is a signaling molecule for all kinds of metabolic pathways. And so we're looking for a baseline level in the body, the brain, where we're monitoring. What should your cholesterol be? Is that what you're asking me? And so if it dips down below, we're not taking it in. Yeah, if your LDL cholesterol drops below 80, you probably do not have enough cholesterol to make your hormones, which is where the cardiologists want your cholesterol to be after you've had a heart attack. It's a bad idea. Okay, so this is, this is how we think about it. The people that live the longest have the highest cholesterol. Cholesterol is a good thing. 
as long as it's not corrupted. When cholesterol becomes corrupted, it's an entirely different story. And cholesterol gets corrupted when it gets inflamed, oxidized, or sugar-coated. So if we're diabetic, we have high blood sugar, we oxidize our cholesterol, or the lipoprotein particles themselves are too tiny, they're sticky and they stick in the arteries, Col corrupted cholesterol is bad. Okay. Healthy cholesterol is good for you, and you can live a very long and healthy life with no stroke, no heart attack, no cardiovascular disease, as long as your cholesterol does not become corrupted. We're talking with integrative medicine specialist, Dr. Ellie Campbell from Campbell Family Medicine up in uh, Cumming, Georgia, and uh, clearly very familiar with the effects of diet, um, among uh, other things like environmental factors that can influence how well we are. Today we're talking about whether or not uh, cholesterol is really the root of our heart disease, which so many of us are experiencing and ultimately dying from, unfortunately, and uh, kind of centered around an article that was published recently that uh, talked about this fact that cholesterol is not our problem, that it's really uh, what we're eating and the way we're going about it and inflammation that as a result of eating behaviors and so forth that are actually causing cholesterol to kind of look like a bad guy when actually it's not. As it relates to the inflammation side of things. Yes. Where is it coming from? What's causing us to be inflamed on the, on the inside of our vascular system? Because I was re recently speaking with uh, Dr. Ricotta, who's a vascular surgeon around recently, and he talked about the fact that the inside of the, the arteries sometimes just look red and raw and just... They're rusting you know, out. Yeah. Yeah. So what's causing us to be inflamed and oxidized and rusted from the inside out? For the vast majority of us, it's our lifestyle. The absolute number one trigger is smoking. If you smoke, you are rusting your arteries on the inside. No question about it. You must stop. You will get heart disease, almost guaranteed. There's a very, very, very small subset of people like George Burns who survive a long life smoking and don't have disease, but the vast majority of people who smoke will get vessel disease. So that particular lifestyle choice is number one. What is it about that? Do, do we know what it is that that is the element What's that's the causing marker? Yeah. Uh, I'm not certain. You know, I think there's some evidence that leads towards nicotine, some that leads towards the carbon monoxide, some that leads towards the pesticides which are in the tobacco. Uh, I don't know that we know for certain what the mm -hmm. primary, if it's known, I don't know it. All right. Um, so that's one lifestyle choice. The secondary lifestyle choice, hands down, bar none, is our diet. We consume an inflammatory diet. When we, we, I just told you that carbohydrates are not good for us, that we need to limit the portions of carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. And when we do eat carbs, they need to be whole grain, unprocessed carbohydrates. That doesn't mean whole wheat flour. That means whole wheat, kernels, grains. You need to be seeing the seeds and the, and the grain itself in the food that you eat. So if I eat a piece of bread. Yes. That is called whole grain bread, yes. as long as there's nuggets of grains in it, not just on the outside, right. then I'm it's, in the right place. It's better for you than not. However, the glycemic index of a Snickers bar is lower than the glycemic index of a piece of whole wheat bread. <laughs> What's up with that? Right. What's up with that? Is it because We've all the peanuts and everything that are in correct. the Snickers that are making it correct. Uh, lower glycemic? High, higher protein content? Correct. Okay. So we really need to eat the hamburger without the bun, right? Use a knife and a fork. 
ditch the carbs. God, why are all the good things so bad for us, man? It just really sucks. You're bashing on my Coke Zero too recently. It really <laughs> yeah, troubles that's me. I story. think about that waking up at night sweating so, about it. So carbohydrates are a problem and fats are a problem because we have allowed this whole corrupted um, stream of fats to come into our food chain. Yes. Whereas we used to consume only uh, foods that were oils, nuts and seeds that were whole in their natural plant form. Now we get all kinds of canola oil, corn oil, soybean yes. oil. These are omega-6 oils. These are inflammatory oils. They push So canola is bad. Canola is not good for us. <laughs> so, so what should I canola cook with? Canola oil What's a high heat oil that is good for me? Butter. Okay, so just Coconut yeah, so oil. if I want to have a really high smoke point, then I just clarify the butter and then I can cook with it. Correct. Better. Okay. Or coconut oil. Okay. Yo, coconut oil is saturated fat. Guess what? It's okay for you. Saturated fat is not the culprit. Corrupted cholesterol is the problem, and consuming saturated fat is not going to corrupt your cholesterol. For the person that's trying to manage their kitchen effectively. Yes. Um, I mean, if there's other things we need to get into before we get into the kitchen, that's just fine. I mean, I, you, you talked about the omega-6 oils, and some of the things that he mentions were, of course, the corn oil, corn oil soybean oil, processed oils. You mentioned canola oil. So this is every restaurant that you go to. <laughs> <laughs> Peanut oil? Peanut oil is sort of in the middle. It's, um, it's still omega-6. It's still inflammatory. Does, so where, what's a good resource that you could look up? I assume if I just did a quick Google search, I could say, show me omega-6 oils, and then it would give me a list. Yes. Okay. And just stay away from those. Just, you know, or historically, when we were, when we were hunters and gatherers, you and me, CW, yeah, you right. know, 20,000 years ago in our yes. previous life, we consumed a diet that was free range. We had to hunt or gather or pick it, harvest it. In that day, we ate, we lived near the coastline mostly, and we... Um, and we consumed about one omega-6 oil for every one omega-3. We had a one-to-one -one ratio. And was it like a plant-based oil of some kind that we were eating? Right, nuts so and seeds. So it was going to be in a small amount. Small we amount. Getting, yeah. Then we became agricultural, and we started growing some of our own plants. And At we that point, how tasty they were. They were. And so we went up to omega-3, a ratio of six. Uh, sorry, a ratio of three omega-6 to one omega-3. So we tripled our ratio of omega-6. Yes. By the time we started modern diet, modern food in the 1900s, we were up to six omega-6s. And in 2015, the average American consumes 25 omega-6s for every one omega-3. <laughs> so we've completely right. flopped our ratio. And what we need to do is lower our omega-6 and raise our omega-3. Yes. So walnuts are an omega-3. Fish and fish oil are omega-3. Okay. Um, and uh, supplements. If I'm are omega if I'm taking because I do this, I'm I'm a person that fits right into what we're talking about here. My 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 background. Um, my father. We just celebrated the. I celebrated. We just uh, we just uh, observed the twentieth anniversary of his early demise of a sudden cardiac death at ah. forty eight years old. Okay. Um, I'm 47, be 48 this next, this year. We'll talk about predictors. We have them. And, uh, I don't know if I want to know them. Um, but so, you know, I've used that to the best, well, I'd say to the best, mostly to the best of my ability. Right. I've at least gone for regular checkups. I found that, um, that 
you know, while my weight was also up at the time, uh, more so than it is now, but it's, uh, it was elevated and my cholesterol was mildly elevated, right. um, up around two, two ten, something like that. Okay. It was, wasn't ridiculous. It right. was just elevated. Um, started a statin, mm-hmm. low dose, 20 milligrams is all it took of, uh, of a simvastatin okay. to, to get me there. So it's on the very low okay. end of, of consumption. And basically the cardiologist is like, take this the rest of your life. You'll be good. Um, plus keeping your weight down and all right, that right. kind of stuff. But, um, and so I, I'm right in here. And, and basically when I read the, the piece that was talking about the inflammation, I was very intrigued and, and having heard you kind of touch on this before, I, I really would like to try to get information out there that would begin to help people make what are truly good choices, um, simple things they can do in the kitchen that would be an easy thing to do that wouldn't require just crazy changes to their life other than maybe uh, picking up a different fat to cook with, for example, or things like that. Well, I have two simple suggestions. Number one is meatless Monday. So one day a week, go vegetarian. Okay. Okay. If we did that as a society, the amount of reduction in um, unhealthy fats that we'd consume and the, and the amount of resources we'd save on transportation of all of these meat products throughout our country would be huge. So try to go vegetarian one, one day a week. That's, okay. that's easy. The second is what I call the cereal bowl diet. If you eat cereal, which I don't recommend, but if you eat cereal for breakfast, everybody knows what a cereal bowl looks like. Mm-hmm. Every day at lunch, fill that cereal bowl with salad vegetables and eat it before you eat whatever else you're going to have for lunch. Every night at dinner, fill that cereal bowl with cooked vegetables of whatever you like, remembering too that corn and potatoes are starches, not vegetables. Fill that cereal bowl with vegetables and eat your bowl of vegetables before you eat what else you're going to eat. If you make those two interventions, meatless Monday and cereal bowl diet, you will dramatically increase the amount of fiber, minerals, vitamins, and lower your blood pressure, fill your belly, you'll consume less of this food that you enjoyed eating so much, just cut the portion size. It's really not that difficult to cut the portion size if you're already full on a whole bowl full of salad. So when we talk about inflammation, what's causing the inflammation? Is, is it the, the, these oil types, I guess, are yes. also yeah, it has aggravating? To do, well, if you think about the biochemistry of the arachidonic acid cascade, that's mostly where it comes from. So there's all of these um, things in our body. They're designed to protect us, but we trip this cascade. If we trip it with a bacteria... Everybody's familiar with that. You know this when you get pneumonia, you fill up with fluid and your white cells come in and they make all these inflammatory markers that pull white blood cells to fight the fight, to kill the infection, to make you better. That's great. But when it's an oxidized LDL that triggers that inflammation cascade, the same thing happens. And you get macrophages and monocytes and and uh, isoprostanes and myeloperoxidase and you get all these inflammatory things that come to the to the site of the blood vessel, only now it's not pneumonia in your lung, it's a plaque forming in your artery. What causes the oxidizing of the... Lifestyle. Okay. For the most part, it's lifestyle. So the really exciting news to me is that we have blood tests that we can use to predict how risky it is for you to have 
uh, an actual heart disease, and it's not cholesterol. Right. Right. Cholesterol we just talked about. It's yeah. only bad when it's corrupted. Well, most of us don't know how to measure corrupted cholesterol. We call that oxidized LDL, and we can measure that. Um, if you have a, a very high cholesterol, but it's not oxidized, you're not in bad shape. Now, the problem is these lipoprotein molecules act as carriers to open the door to allow the cholesterol inside the artery wall. We can measure them. If you have a lot of lipoprotein carrier molecules and your arteries are inflamed, you are much more likely to have heart disease because 50% of all patients who have heart attacks have normal cholesterol levels. Your dad may have had a normal cholesterol no, he level. he didn't. He had high cholesterol. Okay. He was treating it okay. um, with diet and trying right. to do stuff. Right, but he was treating right, his yeah. cholesterol. Right, he right, wasn't right. treating his inflammation because yeah. we didn't have the test back then. We yeah. did the best we could with what we knew. So if I came in, what would you do on me? Okay, so if you came in, I would run either a, a HDL labs, that's health diagnostic labs, or a Cleveland Heart Labs panel on you. Those panels include the following markers. We look at F2 isoprostanes and oxidized LDL. That tells us if you're at risk for heart disease. We look at the microalbumin-creatinine ratio. That's a, a marker of, it's a urine test, a marker of tiny amounts of protein leaking in, out of your kidneys into your urine. If the tiniest blood vessels in your kidneys are damaged, the tiniest blood vessels in your heart are damaged as well. So I look at microalbumin. I look at C-reactive protein we've already discussed. I look at myeloperoxidase. And I look at this test called the plaque test, which is um, lipoprotein PLA2. And that is uh, those two markers, myeloperoxidase and plaque, say you have active placking right now, this minute, going on in your arteries. Mm -hmm. And the really good news is it's very often reversible. We reverse it with lifestyle changes. You have to stop smoking. You have to balance your lifestyle. You have to sleep better. You have to get those inflammatory oils out of your diet. You need to get a whole, a whole food plant-based diet going. And then we can use fish oil. We can use niacin. We can use um, coenzyme Q10. We can use statin drugs sometimes. I don't use them very often. There's a mounting body of evidence that even though 25% of Americans take yeah, them. I saw that. I'm like, my gosh. That they, don't, that they help maybe one out of 100 people. You yeah. might be one of that 100 based on your family history. <laughs> we'll see. But what we really want to do is reverse that inflammation. Right, because yeah. if the cholesterol is not corrupted and there's no artery inflammation, you will not have an event. And that's one of the reasons why I was actually kind of excited to talk about this topic because we've been going to the doctor and getting, as I have, uh, statins prescribed. And, and people do like I have been doing, I'm sure. And they go and get an annual or every other two right. or three years, they get a stress test and different right. things like that done to make sure that we're doing okay. But again, as we've been discussing here, there are apparently other elements that we often ignore. Right. Um, and that could be so easily changed without really disrupting our lifestyle too excessively. Exactly. And then there's another test that we often do, and that's an ultrasound test. You know, if you go around, um, many churches and civic groups will offer a life, lifeline screening test where you can go and have an ultrasound. I like that ultrasound for the fact that it will do an ankle brachial index. It'll really? tell us if you have peripheral vascular mm -hmm. disease in your legs. It'll do an ultrasound of your aorta to make sure you don't have a brewing aneurysm. What I don't like about the lifeline is they also do a carotid ultrasound. 
And the only thing they do when they look at that test is to see if there's a clog inside the vessel wall, inside, inside the lumen, inside mm -hmm. the, the center of the straw. The problem is that the most predictive marker, which Lifeline doesn't test, is the carotid intermediate thickness. How thick is the straw? So is it scarring? Is that what It's it not scarring, it's plaque formation. Okay. It's plaque formation within the artery wall. Okay. And that can be that will show up years and decades before the plaque ruptures and the heart attack or stroke occur. So by measuring CIMT, carotid intermediate thickness, we have another huge marker of predictive value for whether or not you're at risk for a stroke or a heart attack. We combine your family history, these blood markers I just mentioned, and the CIMT test, and we have a much, much better picture. So I asked my friends, the cardiologists, I said, Are you, do you guys like Cleveland Heart Labs to test inflammation markers? Oh, I love them. I said, do you do them? No, we don't. I said, you love them, but you don't do them? He said, oh, no, that's the job of the primary care doctor. If I'm not looking, my job is to fix the blockage. If I try to manage cholesterol on my patients, their primary care doctors get their feelings hurt. So then I asked a bunch of primary care doctors, is anybody out here testing for inflammation markers? Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about it. What are you talking about? So the cardiologists believe that the primary care doctors are doing it, and the primary care doctors believe that the cardiologists are doing it. And that's why I'm here today, because I want this message to get out there that we have better tests now. We're out of the 1980s, right? We now have blood markers that we can look for inflammation. We have a strategy that involves lifestyle, diet, and supplementation, as well as in some cases prescription drugs, fibrates, for example, statins, for example. We have drugs that can change these markers, that can reverse the inflammation, and we can change the outcomes so that families like yours don't lose their dads at a young age. So if, um, if I do make some of these changes yes. and w successfully reverse what inflammation is in my vascular system, does that just basically then stop the placking where it is or does that begin to let some of them be actually reabsorbed? It's a great question. Um, if we do our job pretty well, we'll stop advancement. If we do our job really well, we can actually reverse the disease. There is end uh, um, sonographic ultrasound evidence of reversal of cardiovascular disease in aggressive treatment programs. It can happen on the Dean Ornish diet, which is a vegan um, diet. It can happen on the Med Mediterranean diet. It can happen in an advanced lipid clinic where we're using these tests, the ultrasound tests, and the aggressive combination therapy of lifestyle supplements and drugs. Okay, so the first thing that my listener needs to do, whether they're a physician or a, or a just a person in the community is run out and get a set of tests. And, and obviously not everybody's fortunate enough to be a patient here at Campbell Family Medicine. So if I'm not, um, what do I need to ask for? I would, um, I would go to Cleveland Heart Labs or Health Diagnostic Labs. Are they just around <clears throat> the, the community? Um, they are. Uh, Cleveland Heart Labs is based out of um, the Cleveland Clinic in, uh -huh. in, in Ohio. And in Cleveland, Ohio. And um, HDL, I believe, is out of Birmingham. But they both have websites. And you can probably type in your zip code and find out where you can go get your, okay. your test drawn. If okay. not, you want to print off the cover page from the Cleveland Heart Lab, 
take it to your primary care doctor and say, I want this basic test. I want to know if I'm at risk for heart disease based on my markers of inflammation. And so if I do that and my primary care physician happens to be one of those that you spoke to that's mm-hmm. like, what are you talking about? Right. What do I do with the values if they're a- not HDL really comfortable? HDL has a free lifestyle educator that you can talk with, and they will give you um, nutritional advice to help bring your um, numbers down. They can so also, the lab itself can the help lab you interpret it? The lab itself can help interpret it. Okay. All right. So clearly there's some lab markers right. that we want to get. Now, if you're a clinician, um, there is a continuing medical education course out there called the Bale-Deneen Method, B-A-L-E hyphen D-O-N-E-E-N. Dr. Bale and uh, the nurse practitioner Deneen are a family physician and a nurse practitioner who've designed a program of cardiovascular prevention. Mostly they do secondary prevention. Mostly they take people who have already had one stroke or heart attack who don't want to have a second one, and they help them get better. Their program um, has been in business for 13 or 14 years, and they have a money-back guarantee. If you have a stroke or a heart attack during the year that they're taking care of you, you don't have to pay them. In 14 (laughs) years, they've given patients their money back once. That's amazing. And that's in the sickest of the sick patients. Okay. It really can help. So Bale Deneen for clinicians, for patients, Cleveland Heart Lab, HDL Labs, and just start researching it on your own. So look them up, go online, look them up, find out where you can go nearby to get your tests done. Correct. Sit down with your primary care physician is probably the best place to start. That's a good place to start. And if they say, "I, I don't really, I'm not familiar with these, then... You can then contact the labs and get or, some advice or contact Dr. Or Cam- you could, Dr. You Campbell. can call Dr. Campbell. <laughs> or you could go to um, your cardio- ask for a cardiology referral or a lipid referral. Okay. Uh, the lipid clinics uh, at Emory. And they Emory, would be able to handle the they information do in those. Okay. Correct. All right. Okay. So now I, I, if, I, if I get my markers back and it says CW, you've been taking a statin, you're trying to get active again and lose some more weight, but you've got these markers. Oh, by they the look- way, weight loss, it only takes 10%. 10 to 20% weight loss That's about from what your I'm peak going weight. For right now, yeah. If you can lose that, so in a 200 pound person, you only need to lose 20 to 40 pounds to make a significant improvement mm-hmm. in your health markers. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm confident of that. And, and, and so that's w- one of the goals in our house. Um, and so once we've got our markers, it says, it's a, let's pretend for a moment that mine comes back indicative that I've got some risks. Okay. So now i got to switch over ideally to, say, a Mediterranean-type diet, things like that. Correct. Um, what about what um, some people would be familiar with as a diabetic diet? Is that not so good? Because we're talking about some of these things here that we've discussed earlier on. Um, generally speaking, the diabetic diet covers the carbohydrates with insulin. Right? So if you're a diabetic and you're counting how many carbohydrates you're going to need, then they tell you how much insulin to take to manage, to manage your diet. So you look at your plate, you so count how many carbs. So what if I'm a non-diabetic and I consume that food? It's the same amount of carbohydrate. And but I thought the part of the deal was your, reducing the um, glycemic index of foods that you're eating. They're starting to get that. Just starting. In fact, the policy of the American Diabetic Association is that there's no recommended diet. Okay. 
just kind of wing it. Take your insulin. <laughs> right. So, um, okay. so abs- a diabetic diet in the old days, um, we, my dad was a type 1 diabetic. So I'm very familiar with in the 1970s and 80s how we used to manage his diabetes, which meant he could have an entire ice cream soda, ice cream sundae for dinner with whipped cream and ice cream and bananas as long as we counted the number of carbohydrates and he took enough insulin to knock it, it took down. took about 30, 50 units or that's something right. like that, a regular dose. That's right, to, and to that's how we were taught. Okay. <laughs> so clearly not the best diet to manage insulin levels, which store fat, which cause inflammation. Well, and so obviously changing over your diet um, – is is going to be one of those things that you know re- requires a little bit of commitment, but you have to understand, as we've talked about in the past, uh, when we did our discussion on gut health, for example, how food, unfortunately, if you want to call it this, but food is basically a drug. Food it, is it, medicine. It 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 uh, has such amazing impacts on our hormonal state. And the levels of, of a variety of things in our body um, that clearly we kind of have to see it as, as basically a drug. Food is medicine and food is information. So every bite of food that you consume, you need to ask, is this good for my brain and my heart or is this not good for my brain and my heart? Now they make they, they make these things seem like they're good for your brain and your heart because <laughs> they sure make you want them more. Right. <laughs> 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 and they sure are tasty. No kidding. And That's we sure have developed a palate for it. I'll say. But I'll tell you, over time, if you make tiny incremental changes, start with a meatless Monday. That's one meal, two meals that you're preparing that don't have meat in them. They'll be primarily plant-based. It's not that hard. You get used to it really quickly. Your family gets used to it very quickly. I have three teenage daughters, and it is remarkable how their palate has shifted. My 20-year-old has not eaten at McDonald's in 13 years. I can't say that. Right? Not once. Because she doesn't like the taste anymore. We used to. I mean, I'm ashamed to admit that that same daughter could point to the golden arches on a road trip before she could talk. Right. And... And got excited about it. Yeah. Right? So we switched her palate. We, you know, I didn't know then what I know now. And so incrementally over time, we're a gluten-free, dairy-free household. We have a plant-based whole food diet most of the time. We buy from the produce section first. We almost never go down the center aisles unless it's the canned section, you know. We try to to choose free-range, hormone-free uh, plant, I'm um, sorry, um, meat sources, mm-hmm. whether that's free range um, chicken or wild caught fish. We try to um, eat, sit down and eat together as a family three to four nights a week minimum. I wish it was more, but our work and school schedules don't always sure. permit it. But I think that, you know, creating the old fashioned family dinner table has been shown to make huge differences in outcomes, not only by slowing down the meal and the amount of calories consumed, but by creating the family bond and um, giving us an opportunity to talk without our cell phones at the table. Well, we've been talking about what in my mind is an extremely important issue uh, as it relates to our heart health and vascular health in general. Dr. Ellie Campbell from Ellie Campbell uh, Ellie uh, from Campbell Family Medicine uh, has been sharing some information about how we can kind of 
prevent and, and in some cases reverse the inflammation that uh, unfortunately our dietary habits tend to create within our uh, vascular system leading us to stroke, heart disease, uh, peripheral vascular disease that could lead to an amputation of our lower extremities, for example. So um, it's it's kind of depressing on one hand to think oh, about how... Oh, I think how, it's empowering. I, I was just going to say that because on one hand, it's like, oh, man, all these things. I was trying to be healthy, and here I'm not. Um, but the other side of that same coin is that the changes that you're talking about are relatively straightforward. They're relatively easy to implement. I know that, um, like myself, I've got a taste for certain things that I know, you know, particularly now that I've become more familiar with some of this information uh, that, uh, that I shouldn't have a taste right. for or should stay away from. But... Um, the changes that we're talking about, it sounds like you can do it in steps and begin to make progress right away. Absolutely. And there's tests that you can begin to ask for that give you a better picture. Right. And if you absolutely have to have a French fry, have a French fry. You know, just do it sensibly. Schedule it in your plan so that you know what day your French fry day is. Check the portion size so that you know what portions you're going to consume. Don't eat it on the fly in the drive-thru on the way because there wasn't anything else to eat. But make it a plan. And then consume at least three grams of fish oil on the back end to counteract those inflammatory omega-6s that you did. (laughs) Because if you're going to be bad, you need to know how to fix it. Okay. All right. Well... Ellie, I mean, you know, I, I'm so pleased to get to sit down with you as we do. And, 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 and as we've talked about, we're going to be having Dr. Campbell join us on the show on a regular basis every few weeks or so. We're going to have her in to talk about some things that uh, everything that you've shared so far is it's it's just kind of eye opening. And it's it's amazing to me that. Some of these topics that you've discussed as it relates to gut health, as it relates to your vascular health, um, it just how, how do we not know this on a broader scale? Why aren't, why aren't we seeing this from the rooftops and getting it covered by the news stations, for example? But you're getting it covered here on Top Docs Radio. And uh, make sure that you tell your loved ones about this because truly, uh, I know I'm going to be trying to implement some of these. Uh, on part of, part of me, I'm kind of scared to go get those blood tests because oh, I'm afraid no. of what they'll tell me. But uh, I feel like... Uh, you know, that could be the very best thing I could do for myself. So if you're like me, you've got somebody in your family history who's either had a heart attack or maybe died before they should have um, of heart disease or stroke or, or a, a related vascular illness, pay attention to it. Try to implement as much of this information as we're giving you as possible. If you haven't done so already, make sure you link up with the show at Top Docs on BRX on both Twitter and Facebook. We've already tied in with Campbell Family Medicine through the social media feed so that you can get access to there. Um, they put out information all the time on their social media. They're constantly having walk with the doc and different events like that where you can get out and interact with their team and do some healthy things for your family and uh, learn some things that will help you be more healthful. So Ellie, thanks so much for making some time here. Absolutely. It's and been my pleasure. Again. Yeah. I look forward to uh, connecting with you again here in a few weeks and we'll talk about some more uh, awesome health tips. Awesome. If any of your listening audience has suggestions, what we'd like they'd like us to talk about we'd love to hear that too we'll consider their suggestions and if after listening to the show today you come up with some questions uh, make sure that you get them to us through twitter or through facebook we will definitely get them over to ellie and and get you some answers back Um, that's what we're all about is trying to help get our um, patient population in the atlanta area and beyond i know we're listened to actually globally now and uh, and to our local providers because uh, we all have to be willing and and interested in learning new things um, and not 
uh, pushing them away just because I haven't heard about them yet because it could be one of the things that really changes the outcomes for the group of patients that we're serving. So hopefully we've uh, given some great information to some of the providers that might be checking us out today as well. So we'll see you in a few weeks. See you in a few weeks. All right. Stay tuned. So it's May, which means it's National Posture Awareness Month. Did you know that? I didn't either. And I hadn't heard of things like tech neck until Dr. Leanna Cart, a local chiropractor, came by the studio to talk to us about it. Check it out. It's National Posture Awareness Month. And I have to tell you, of late, I have actually been more aware of my posture uh, just because I've noticed as I've gained a little weight here in the last few months, it's kind of dragging my gut for Forward and I'm getting this big bow in my back, so I find myself slumped over in the in my chair, and I'm shoulders back, sit up straight, that kind of thing. So I'm actually, it's it's good timing. Absolutely. <laughs> and that voice that you hear there is Dr. Lana Card. So thanks for taking some time to come by and introduce us to the practice, and then talk about a couple of things related to our posture that folks may not be realizing or are, are going on. So I appreciate you sharing some information with the folks. Oh, thank you for having me. May is National yeah. Posture Awareness Month. I had no idea until I met you. See, your mother always told you, sit up straight. And she was right. That's right. So talk about that. Sure. Tell me about your practice a little bit real quickly, and then we can kind of get into some of, the, some of the things we want to be thinking about that can give us a little bit greater spine health and probably overall health by managing our posture better. Absolutely. I uh, have been practiced here in Atlanta for the past 28 years, and I'm proud to say I'm a life graduate. Mm-hmm. Located right up there in Marietta. Yes, And one of the big factors in today's world is the epidemic of sitting at a desk and using technology. So we see everything from children to seniors, and most chiropractors do. And I think this is a wonderful opportunity to just put the light bulb on for people about how you do need to sit up straight. And with all this wonderful technology that we have in our society, we need to think about how it's affecting our structure, because our structure keeps us erect each day. And so um, it does have ramifications. Yeah. And talk about that a little bit, as you mentioned some of the technology, because from what I understand, when we sit and look down at some device, it's doing some crazy things as far as the angles and the weight that it puts on our our neck and spine. Talk about that. The, The latest studies show that forward head tilt, and think about your own kids for a second, as well as yourself. Mm -hmm. Everybody has some type of smartphone, tablet, laptop, and that forward tilt studies show have increased uh, the weight of your head on your spine by 10 pounds, which can lead to neck pain, headaches, and most of the studies show now decreased lung capacity as well. So we want to uh, make people aware that you need to pull that screen up to eye level so that you're not doing that constantly consecutively on a daily basis. I see. And, you know, I think that's probably easy to not even really realize just how much your head actually weighs. Doesn't it weigh like 15, 16 pounds or sometimes more? Like a bowling ball on a stick. And so we chiropractors in the state of Georgia at the Georgia Chiropractic Association want you to practice safe tech. So whether it's a child, an adult, at work, kids playing on tablets, it's very important that you become aware of that repetitive forward head tilt because that extra poundage increases the uh, factor of possibly affecting the structure and also the nerves that control everything in our body. And as I mentioned, as I was introducing you, um, one of the things I've realized, and, and I don't know if it's related to the fact that I have, as I mentioned, gained a little bit of weight, about 15, 20 pounds over where I had been, that I do find myself where my shoulders are kind of 
slouching forward just a little bit. When I'm sitting down in a chair, for example, Absolutely. at a desk doing some work, I'll find that my rib cage is kind of sitting down towards my stomach. You yes. know what I'm saying? I'm let yes. my back bow out. And and I keep telling myself to sit up. And it, it's amazing how much, whenever I go to think about it, how just how far I have allowed my rib cage to kind of settle forward. Talk about what that's doing and why you you mentioned lung capacity. Talk about why that why that is so. Well, the lung capacity is definitely decreased when you're slouching forward. And also children as well with the backpacks. So it's important that, again, you practice safe tech on setting the chair properly at work. Mm -hmm. Most people lean and sit forward in their chair and they hunch over, which is a big no-no. And that's why I brought you that gift today from the Georgia yeah, Chiropractic she, she, Association. She hooked me up with a, a lumbar support <laughs> that I can use in my chair and my car, which is awesome. I'm looking forward to using that. And those are the little things that we can do to prevent injuries. So that's about educating, you know, how you sit, what you use to support your spine, whether it's on your chair or in your car, and especially for the kids that are weighing down their little spines mm -hmm. with these huge backpacks. And that's why I feel that it, this is imperative to have people's posture checked, just as you would have your teeth checked. Can can having that kind of posture, can it can that start to have some effect on the cartilage between the bones, the, the discs in the back? And that can that lead to problems with that where they get compressed or is that more of a in motion or weight bearing kind of injury that tends to occur? Well, I think that this all plays a huge factor in spinal health and spinal hygiene. And uh, it, it can be related to it. So it's just very important to have your spine checked regularly as you do other parts of your body. And from what I understand, uh, Leanna, you're, you're a board member with the Georgia Chiropractic Association, so you're very much involved with uh, the current evidence that's coming out that affects your space and uh, disseminating that among the practitioners around the state. And uh, talk about the resource. There's a website, from what I understand, if folks are having some neck, back um, yes. you know, type issues or pain that there's a place they can go, find somebody that's reputable um, and, and get linked up with a, a, a chiropractic uh, doctor close to them. Absolutely. As a board member of the Georgia Chiropractic Association, we want people to become aware of having their posture checked, they and their children. And for more health and wellness tips, I want you to visit findgeorgiachiropractors.com where you can, by location, look for a Georgia chiropractor that is a member of the Georgia Chiropractic Association, which is the oldest and largest chiropractic association in the state of Georgia. So for someone reputable that knows about posture, because chiropractors are highly trained in looking at posture on children, on adults, on seniors, on athletes for peak performance. So again, I want you to go to findgeorgiachiropractors.com and on there we have posted many photos so that people can look and see what the factors are in practicing safe tech. Now, it's been all over the news about tech neck and We've got pictures posted on there so that you can see that forward head tilt right. and, and how it affects everything. People walk around everything. like that all the time. I do it sometimes yeah. now. And parents are just not aware that even kids, did you ever watch your own kids when they're playing video games? Their head is moving back and forth, back and forth, 
almost as if they're on a roller coaster ride. So it's very important that you go to the website of findgeorgiachiropractors.com where all these photos are will be posted in honor of National Posture Awareness Month. And as as she said, May is National Posture Awareness Month. So I know, I, like I said, I've been thinking about it already just because I've just begun to realize just how poor my sitting posture is. And give yourself a break. Sit up straight. Think about your posture. And, and certainly think about it when you're sitting there staring basically at your belly button for a long period of time with your phone or your laptop or your iPad, whatever it may be, in your in your lap. Try to hold it up a little bit closer so the strain on your neck is not quite so severe. So I look forward to having Dr. Cart come back to the studio. She's going to join us May, uh, June 30th on the show. We're going to get a little bit more in-depth into what are we doing in the chiropractic office because it's probably a little bit more than you think as it relates to the health of your neurologic system, which obviously is the driver for our whole body and everything that's happening. So I'm looking forward to getting a little bit more into depth about what it is we're, we're going for when we go to seek chiropractic help. Absolutely. And um, I think the chiropractic is a wonderful way to stay young. People are living longer. They want to live a healthier life. And posture is definitely the key in wellness and living a life where you don't come home from work feeling stiff and achy. You know, many women wear high heels each day. And we know that that puts a, a tremendous amount of strain on the entire posture. So we also have posted some pictures about that as well at georgiachiropracticassociation.com. Your chiropractors are known, as you said, for neck and back pain, but it's so much more than that. That's right. And um, it's very important that we become aware of our posture on a daily basis. Many, many women have these huge handbags that they constantly carry on their shoulders. Probably on one side. Absolutely. And then they're carrying a baby on the other side and then the high heels. So those are issues that... um, are done daily, and it's very repetitive on the structure. Uh, And men, of course, I don't want to leave you out. Wallets in the back pocket on the same side each day, driving, sitting at that desk. Have a different angle on your hips there. Yes, exactly. So that also contributes to how people um, sit at work. And again, you can see all these pictures at Georgia Chiropractic Association's website for findgeorgiachiropractors.com. And then tell them where they can go to find uh, information about Northwest Chiropractic, your particular practice over on Hal Mill, in case they're having some issues they need to be seen or want to get some more information about you. Sure. My website is uh, atlantapainrelief.com. And if you have any questions or you have a hard time finding someone, I'd be more than happy to help anyone with that. But really, I I would say findgeorgiachiropractice.com will have all the photos and all the information on licensed members of the Georgia Chiropractic Association. And you can get great information on her website. There's some videos there. She's got some stories about uh, different patient cases that she's worked with. Uh, So you can probably find somebody who's been dealing with something that you've been dealing with. Dr. Card, I appreciate you taking a few minutes to stop by the studio in the middle of your day. I know you've got patients to see, so we'll get you back to them. But thanks so much for stopping by and letting our listeners know that uh, coming up in May is National Posture Awareness Month. I know I'm going to be thinking about it. Hopefully our listeners will, too, uh, to their betterment. So uh, thanks so much. Thank you for having me. All and right. remember, go to findgeorgiachiropractors.com to look for your chiropractor in the state of Georgia. And check her out on June 30th at 2.30. She'll be back on Top Docs here in just a few weeks. Thanks so much. 